folks. Welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that examines where hip-hop's been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And this week's episode is about a very controversial figure in hip-hop, and one of the most important artists in the history of the genre as well. Mm -hmm. It is a rapper from Detroit named Marshall Mathers, who goes by the rap name Eminem. Hi, my name is... (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, it's really interesting because we're, we're basically going to talk about Eminem's legacy and he's had a really interesting journey because there was a time that he was almost guaranteed to be on a top, on most respectable people's top five lists. Mm-hmm. And he's since fallen out of that favor. And I think it's tuned to music he's put out recently, but also to the way culture has changed and mm-hmm. is now critically reevaluating the music that he put out at that time. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I think that there has been an overcorrection in terms of how we're regarding him. I think people are not giving him his just desserts to some yeah, degree. Indeed. Part of it is that his legacy is pretty complicated. He it's didn't true. just disappear when he, you know, sort of after his sort of peak, he disappeared and then came back and has been quite prolific since. That's right. That's and right. the music of those two eras is pretty far apart. It's true. And we'll get into potential reasons why as well Mm -hmm. later but first we want to do some quick housekeeping notes first of all shout out to all of our new listeners i know we've been doing it every episode but honestly we're growing so much right now it's super exciting and it's just nice to see all of these listeners coming from around the world and Mm -hmm. we're getting such great messages from you please keep sending that to us at our instagram account at catch up podcast um yeah we just really appreciate the support and we're loving it and speaking of support uh, we've launched our Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash catchup podcast. We have some contributions already, which is really nice. Thank you guys. Uh, we'll, you'll be getting your reward soon. And everyone else, like if you would like us to continue doing this podcast and you'd like to see us continue to grow and keep giving you these crazily researched ep- episodes, mm-hmm. uh, a contribution would be a huge help to us. Absolutely. It means a whole lot to us. And, uh, you know, we're just a small independent podcast is going up against such titans as, you know, the Joe Budden show and Noriega. And, and those guys made music uh, for major labels in the in the 90s. And, and Jordan and I have never even had a record deal. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with that? Yeah. So if you uh, want to help us in some way, you can just contribute to our, our Patreon or sign us to a record deal. Whatever you think is in <laughs> I'll sign a 360. Means. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, you know, I you, make you bad have, business decisions. <laughs> yeah. You, you're going to have both Jordan's tour money and the money from his physical sales. <laughs> we're, we're, we're easy like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, visit visit our Patreon and uh, show us some love that way if, if, you're, if it tickles your fancy and you can contribute. Uh, yeah, let's get into the episode. There's a joke, like when I think of Eminem, there's a, a really terrible joke that says so much about like the sort of post PC era that he came up in that uh, is so dumb that I can't help but share it. Um, it's something like, you know, the world is crazy when the best golfer is black, the best rapper is white, and the best basketball player is Chinese. For all the people who don't remember who Yao Ming was, he was like this g- absolutely gigantic Chinese player who was very good. Yeah, he was solid. You know, but he he had the you know kind of problems that come from being seven six of like mm. his knees falling apart and uh, so on and so forth. But uh, it's like all that is to say, it was a very different world when Eminem was. Imagine taking a joke like that now. It just like would not fly unless you like worked in certain offices or whatnot. That's right. It's just like not. It's like. Eminem existed in a in an entirely different world in a lot of ways. It's true. It's true. Um, How did you first hear of Eminem, Jordan? You know, I think that I saw his music video on Much Music, and for our American listeners and listeners around the world, that is that was essentially our MTV. Mm-hmm. It was the place that we saw before YouTube. Uh, that's where all you got all of your music information and music products, like in terms of videos, mm-hmm. and. It was the video for the video and song "Hi, my my name is," and honestly, I, you know, rewatching this this the video and listening to the song again, like in preparation for this, it's like it really is one of the standout debut singles for any major label rap artist ever. Absolutely, it's like just the, the because I remember right away, like 
being captivated by it because if you watch the video, he's so animated. Mm-hmm. He has a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. He's willing to make fun of himself yeah. in his very first thing. And then, you know, because the, the first few shots you see of him are him dressed up in like a goofy character. Yeah. And he's really kind of like, like, like playing up his like, his, his whiteness mm-hmm. and how different he is from the, you know, a lot of the rap world. But then you see him in a few scenes later and he's kind of dressed like, what was his style at the time wearing like denim he's got his two hoop hoop earrings in he's got you know he's he's got that that you know that look on his face where he's like you know i'm a great rapper yeah and the song is just really incredible it's Mm -hmm. like the writing the sense of humor just the unpredictability of it was Mm -hmm. just something it was so fresh the cultural references cultural references were deep Mm -hmm. you know i was i was talking about this the other night but it's like it has it has lines like you know, you blew up when the women rushed the stands and tried to touch your hands like some screaming Usher fans. Mm-hmm. Like, that is just the height of rap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that is so... It's like, Eminem was so good at making something complex sound so... Just roll off the tongue. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was all present in in, in My Name Is. Mm-hmm. And it was just so exciting to, to see a, such a fresh new voice and also have a Dr. Dre co-sign, which then yeah. gave it a stamp of approval. That you're like, all right. You yeah. know, I can I can like this white boy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it there's a lot of information about Eminem's career. I mean, he has some of the most diehard fans ever in music. Um and if you really like want to know a lot of the details, it's very easy to go and find out. His Wikipedia page is is very extensive. Um but just a little bit of background about Eminem, uh not to go too deep. It, he was a, a a rapper from Detroit, Michigan. He uh sort of came up rapping he was always obsessed obsessed with rap uh in the way that the best artists are he um essentially self-produced uh his first album that he's sort of since disowned called uh infinite mm-hmm. um and you know wh- one of the things that's kind of funny to me and speaks to a bit about this sort of changing legacy that i remember is that i i remember uh that infinite was sort of actually a lot of people a hot take once upon a time was like infinite was like be- eminem's best album Mm -hmm. eminem has rightfully disowned infinite even though there are some good rapping on it it's like pretty funny how hokey it is in parts and the production is absolutely terrible yeah and uh and you know he the way he kind of grew from it was that like the he he really tried to be successful in a way that wasn't sort of him it was sort of this like kind of slick rapper perspective Mm -hmm. uh and you know it just the lack of success of it. It sold about a thousand copies, and it's very hard to find. It's sort of like a, a great lost album now. Mm. Eminem won't even refuses to put the whole thing out digitally, even at this point when he's put out numerous terrible albums in the last <laughs> ten years. It's kind of it's that it was very very much in the like I'm a sick rapper style. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually there's a, in the, one of the probably most famous song from it three one three. He refers to himself as a sweet rapper over and over again, which I find, like, super funny. (laughs) Um, I'm really thoughtful. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You want to be a sweet rapper, you got to, you know, got to look at me. I'm really sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I remember everyone's birthday. Exactly. I always bring a gift to a housewarming party. Yeah, I volunteer sometimes. (laughs) I'm a big brother. (laughs) What you know about a sweet MC? In the 313, none of these skills you're about to see come free. So you wanna be a sweet MC, you better become me. If you ever wanna be one C, yo, some people say I'm whack. Eminem was uh, a, a battle rapper, which you may know from, in my opinion, quite a good movie, yeah, Eight I Mile. I agree. Uh, he, like the battle rap circuit uh, of that day and age is sort of similar to the battle rap circuit of now except like it was much closer to the rap mainstream than it is now it's mm-hmm. it's sort of a subculture in and of itself it's, yeah, it's its own thing and and back then it was you know there were all these sort of legends about people like busta rhymes jay-z exhibit you know uh dmx whoever people who had made like giant rap stars who had made their names early on in their career through battle rap but Eminem was the first like real battle rapper outside of maybe like Cannabis who uh like directly went from giving out his sort of demo at 
a rap battle, a, a huge rap battle, and being sort of an underground rap battle Scribble star, jam. a scribble jam, to going out and like getting a deal. And Dr. Dre essentially discovering him, Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre discovering him. And I mean, this speaks to Dr. Dre's like immense a musical imagination and uh, incredible eye for talent that he was able to see this guy who had not really made any good music, didn't really have much of a, of a, a following mm-hmm. and kind of overnight turn him into like the one of the biggest, if not biggest rappers of all time. Mm. So... Just going back to the Slim Shady LP, there there's a lot of just incredibly creative work on this album, uh, in in kind of like a style of rap that had not really existed in the mainstream before. There's a little bit of it uh, had existed on the underground and artists like Cage, who was a, a contemporary of a battle sort of backpack rapper from Detroit, similar style of Eminem, but. The, the kind of subject matter that uh, Eminem approaches on this record was sort of a, a little bit revolutionary at the time. If that's, I don't know if that's the correct word, but it really did change things in terms of in terms of the sort of subject matter and the audiences that that came to. No, rap. absolutely, absolutely. I think that you know the something that has always been sub- suburban audiences have have always been consumers of hip hop um, to a degree, to a degree, to a degree. I mean, after a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, the, even in the, the, the early nineties, when you started to have, if you think about like a lot of the controversial, like artists of that day, mm-hmm. the, the NWAs, the ice teas, mm-hmm. I think part of the concern that the mainstream America was having was that these albums were showing up in their homes mm-hmm. with messages like fuck the police and, yeah. and like whatnot. And when Eminem comes out and beca- immediately becomes one of the biggest rappers ever, mm-hmm. it's it's not just p- suburban audiences and I'm just, I guess I'm just going to keep saying suburban audiences is code for white people, Yeah, but it's not, it's not just uh, suburban audiences like listening to this music and, you know, identifying with the themes in some ways. It's like they're identifying with the artists in a way that they never have before. Exactly. It's somebody who looks like them. It's somebody who looks like their friends. It's, it's somebody who they feel they don't look, they feel like not that dissimilar to. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of the appeal of it. Yeah. And, and it's expressing a lot of the things that were sort of in the air at the time. Angst, angst. just feeling like the world was phony. Yeah. It was very like Holden Caulfield yeah. in a lot of ways. <laughs> That's a you funny know? way to think of it. Like it's, it's everyone is feeling very much like, um, they seeing Eminem was seeing their, their rage and the things that maybe they couldn't put terms to mm-hmm. you know externalize in a way that they probably had not really identified with yeah i mean there's uh that you know there was such a derision about pop culture in the air at that time with shows like south park uh-huh. or you know like triumph the insult dog who will come insult up a bit later dog, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh and the this sort of notion that like that like I don't know. In the '90s, there was a different sense about kind of like commercialism and the cor- corporatization of music. You know, you would have things like uh, Fiona Apple or the BC Boys sort of calling out the industry at at a an Big awards in- event, industry award show. Yeah, you know, the, the, it was like a sense that like all the like, what is pop is bullshit, essentially. Mm-hmm. And Eminem was like someone who like went into that world and inverted all of that, and. That really, really spoke to people. Yeah, I mean, it spoke to me. I remember uh, having a t- like buying the Slim Shady LP on tape and playing it in in my Walkman. And wow, I sound a hundred years old. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. But it's just like, yeah, I just remember being obsessed with with this a- album and listening to it over and over again. And it's like the rapping is so good. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. The, the, you know, you mentioned Dre's imagination in finding Eminem. Mm-hmm. And a thing, like, in listening to this stuff again is, like, Eminem's imagination is fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Like, the kind of images that he would paint in his songs, like, whether as asides or as jokes, mm-hmm. are so fantastical that even that alone in itself is such a strong skill. Yes. On top of being an amazing rapper. Yeah. Um, and, like, the so- I mean, some of these songs, even now I listen to them and I, and I feel like they... I, I like they transport me back to that time and to everything that I loved about him as a rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think, like, you know, a standout for me was a, a song called "Just Don't Give a Fuck." Mm-hmm. And let's let's listen to a, a bit of "Just Don't Give a Fuck" by Eminem from the Slim Shady LP. Slim Shady, brain dead like Jim Brady. I'm an M80. You little like that Kim lady. I'm buzzing, dirty dozen, naughty rotten rhymer. Cursing at you players worse than Morty Schottenheimer. You acting in the motherfucker you bitch your style from. You ain't gonna sell two copies if you press a double album. Admit it, fuck it. While we coming out in the open, I'm doing ass. I mean, another thing that, you know, I've found, and I think a lot of people have in like the in listening to these old Eminem th- songs and thinking about them in the context of today and what we're mm-hmm. talking and what we think about in terms of just issues of like, you know, violence against women, mm-hmm. sexual violence. And, and, um, is that, and like homophobia yeah. is like all that stuff is present in this early Eminem stuff. And I mean, in all Eminem stuff, actually, yeah. I mean, a lot, like a funny thing about rap music, nineties rap music, becoming the classics, which is to say you hear it at like trendy restaurants and in like mall stores. And, and it's, it's, it's like such a, it's a deliberate choice. It's yeah. supposed to evoke a certain feeling. feeling. Is that like rap music has become much less, much much less homophobic, quite a bit less misogynistic, and generally like just less uh, like explicit in some respects than it was in its nineties hey- heyday, in my opinion. Uh-huh. If you go back and listen to some of that stuff, it's like pretty shocking, like the the like language that's used. Like well, if one, if like in this day and age, like Migos will apologize. An artist like Migos, like trapping out the bando Migos, will apologize for like using a slur or something like uh-huh, that. A homophobic slur. Yeah. Whereas back na- then, then, it was almost like the selling point for Eminem. It's true. I mean, I think it's also like, I think it's just, you know, it's also a, more a commentary on how society has changed and mm-hmm. the pressure that is put on people for these kind of messages is different. But it's like, you know, Eminem's, Eminem's lyrics are... You know, I, one of the one of the worst things any person can see in the world is uh, seeing somebody perform an Eminem song at karaoke. Oh my god! It is it is a harrowing experience. <laughs> Jesus. And um, you know, I have made the mistake of choosing an Eminem song at karaoke. I don't know what I'm thinking, but then you know, you're there and you're like, as you're doing the song and remembering the lyrics, and then you see them appear on the screen, you're like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah. Uh, you know, like it's just things that you don't want to say. It's like, you know, even even on uh, my name is like he's like cracking jokes about Pam Anderson being uh, abused by Tommy Lee and stuff yeah. like that. It's like you know, and it's just, it's just like the 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 nature of of a lot of this the humor and this the, it's like super juvenile. Mm-hmm. It's really it's really kind of looking at you know serious things mm-hmm. with this kind of bemused smirk yeah and just trying to shock and provoke absolutely and i think that's one of the things that people said a lot like early on about eminem is that and it, it and it's true when you listen to it is like there's a lot of like horrorcore elements to mm-hmm. um his style and for people that don't know what horrorcore is horrorcore is like a, a subgenre of hip-hop that is really death obsessed and yeah. very violent mm-hmm. and graphic and I mean, it's pretty like Juggalo adjacent. Mm-hmm. It's like, and Juggalos are what the Insane Clown Posse call their fans, and there's yeah. a whole world unto themselves. Yeah. But Eminem, in a lot of ways, I felt like mainstreamed a lot of like elements of horrorcore style. Yeah, it's like if the Wu Tang was sort of obsessed with and represented like kung fu films and like kind of like Asian gangster movies. It was like Eminem was like the kind of like cheap like 80s sort of splatter slasher movie uh-huh you know uh-huh uh-huh that's right and i mean kind of one of the things that is like what can seem incredibly shocking about eminem's music now other than the like you know uh homophobic slurs is just how explicitly he talked about killing his baby mother uh, kim that's right and <clears throat> also the part that his uh like infant daughter would play in those songs where he would record her vocals for them uh-huh. and it's like it's very shocking uh but it was all sort of part of it at the time it was it was a part of the this the, the, the and i guess another thing that was like interesting about eminem is like 
the narr- it's just an interesting narrative. It's mm-hmm. like a grand narrative. Yeah, that keeps and it's, going. And it's filtered through all these songs in these different ways. And yeah. it's like these people that he has these these rages at, mm-hmm. which include Kim, the mm-hmm. mother of his daughter Haley, mm-hmm. his mom. Yeah. And you know, there was a lot of like various bullies that he had over over his uh his life. Actually, yeah. like, you know, and after this album came out, he was like hit with a litany of lawsuits. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, one of them was from a, uh, a janitor named D'Angelo Bailey, mm-hmm. who was referenced by name. <laughs> like he didn't switch that up. Uh, so, I mean, that's some Drake shit right there. You know, <laughs> we see we see where Drake got it from. Yeah. Uh, but it's and it's on a great song called "Brain Damage," which is about Eminem growing up in Detroit and being bullied. Mm-hmm. And let's listen to a bit of "Brain Damage." These are the results of a thousand electric volts, a neck with pulse. Nurse were losing him, check the pulse. A kid who refused to respect the dolls. Wore spectacles with tape frames and a freckled nose. A corny looking white boy, scorny and always ornery. Cause I was always sick of brawny bullies picking on me. And I might snatch. One day just like that, I decided to strike back. And flatten every tire on the bike rack. My first name's Junior High. This kid said, it's you and I. Three o'clock sharp this afternoon, you die. I looked at my watch, it was 120. I already gave you my lunch money. What more do you want from me? He said, don't try to run from me. You just make it worse. My palms were sweaty and I started to shake at first. Something told me, try to fake your stomach ache, it works. I scream, ow, my appendix feel like naked burst. Teacher, teacher, quick, I need a naked nurse. What's the matter? I don't know, my leg, it hurts. Leg. I thought you said it was your tummy. Oh, I mean it is, but I also got a bum knee. Mr. Mathers, the fun and games are over. And just for that stunt, you're gonna get some extra homework. But don't you wanna give me after school detention? Nah, that bully wants to beat your ass and I'ma let him. Damage. Ever since the day I was born, drugs, what they used to say I was on. In 1999, Eminem was really starting to blow up. And, you know, there was a real sense that he was going to be one of the biggest rappers in the world if he wasn't already. One of the thing, one thing that I think is uh, a, just an incredible uh, sort of indication of this is that on Missy Elliott's second album, The Real World, Eminem just has a song. <laughs> it's like, like, like it's just Eminem. It's no Missy Elliott on it. That's it's, wild. And it was like Eminem was such a hot commodity that a record label would be like, let's just give it Eminem, Eminem a song. I know they don't have anything to do with each other. It's sort of like when Jay-Z had a, a, a whole song on the Memphis Bleak album. Uh-huh. But like taken to an even crazier extreme. Yeah. And artists do that today, but they do it differently. They like bill it as like- They call this it an interlude. Interlude. This is the, the thugger interlude, yeah. for instance. Yeah. It was just an Eminem song. That is bonkers. And- he was also starting to get really respected in the rap world. Mm-hmm. Notorious B.I.G. was at the time considered like one of the all-time greats, absolutely, and and still and was for many years after. I think still is, but you know, as the '90s sort of fades into the background, it's easy to forget just the stature that Biggie had as a rapper. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, very deservedly, I think he is. Like, yeah, absolutely deservedly, the, the most talented rapper perhaps of all time, in 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 just the classical technical rapping style. Mm. Um, so, but the his his first record to come out after his death, other than Life After Death, which was recorded before, you know, he had active control at, and and was recorded before he died. Mm-hmm. Uh, was born again, and in my opinion, the best song from that album. Features one of Eminem's all-time verses. Yes, it called does. Called Dead Wrong. Dead Wrong. It's a great example of this kind of horrorcore thing we're talking about. And you know what? It's a great title because this the shit on this song is dead wrong. Yeah. Like they, are, they are saying awful things. Yeah. The rapping is good. The rapping is great. It's very good. Yeah. I knew this song front to back, mm-hmm. and I would get so excited as we got closer to the Eminem part. And I, like the Eminem part was like my favorite part to rap. Yeah, and just because, just like lyrically, mm-hmm. like the actual construction of the words are just—it's just so fun to say. Mm-hmm. And there's so many like, there's so many. I think it's just because they—they're all over the place, and they're—it's crazy. Yeah, and I think you know when this came out, I was like 12 years old, and I think I also you know was like. I didn't even really fully understand some of the things he was talking about in mm-hmm. the verse, but there was some excitement in reciting them. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even the fact that there's like a Prince lyrical illusion within his verse is like a line in my pocket. I'm lying. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It's I like got a it's, nine in my pocket. pocket. Yeah. yeah. It's so, I mean, it just speaks to how technically gifted Eminem was at this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we got to listen to it. Let's listen to Eminem's verse from Dead Wrong. Yeah. You're big, you're dead wrong. You gotta go along. Hey, 
by far in the way his masterpiece kind of towards the end after this his his rapping maybe wasn't as strong the beats he chose were definitely becoming became a mixed bag but it all came together on the marshall mathers lp yeah i mean it's i mean the whole album is incredibly well produced the song he manages to take those sort of these sort of like intense like horror core or like you know sort of like politically incorrect South Park-esque sort of concepts and somehow make them like incredibly catchy. Mm-hmm. So like Kill You, which is like a really over the top sort of violent song. Just, it's like, even like thinking of the, of the, the chorus, it gets kind of stuck in my head. Uh-huh. Um, but one of the things I think I find the most fascinating about this Eminem is the fact that he was so huge and also so talented that he could put out singles with the level of complexity in the in the rapping and or in the concepts and they were just gigantic hits Uh so like on the real slim shady which was the first single from this record Mm -hmm. and was sort of like the spiritual uh child of my name is Uh where he's sort of making all these uh pop culture pop culture references and sort of uh, alluding to a lot of the criticism he's faced yeah his rapping is so complex. It's some of the most complex rhyme schemes that have ever been in a like a hip hop single, let alone like like I think probably a multiple week number one. Yeah, it's super, you know, super incredibly popular. I mean, another thing that I thought was like interesting about Eminem is like first of all, what's I think what's great about this album is that it's a lot of him talking about the criticism that he's facing mm-hmm. and where he's getting it from. So he's like kind of, you know, obliquely referencing kind of like hip hop people who don't really want to give him the credit that he deserves. Mm-hmm. He's referencing the, the kind of like moralistic, you know, parent teacher council esque mm-hmm. uh, like lobby groups that are trying to get his music removed from shelves. Mm-hmm. He's talking about how the music industry at large is receiving him pop stars that he's like now, I guess in, in the same league with. Mm -hmm. And he's also talking about like what this level of, of extreme fame is doing to his personal life and Mm -hmm. like time he's trying to spend with his daughter in public and people are, you know, like fans demand so much from him. Mm -hmm. And even in, you know, the real slim shady is just like, it's, it's, he's talking about like how influential he already is and seeing all the clones that are being made of, of him already and trying to find like all these new white rappers. And it's like, yeah, but like it's not just that I'm a white rapper; it's that I'm also a great rapper. Yeah, you know, I mean, and you know, it's something that we'll probably talk a little bit about more about later. We've talked a lot about white rappers on the show before, and then one of the things that is just so different about Eminem is that how much, how many dues he paid before he got to the level of success that he did, uh-huh. and then what his success allowed him wasn't just like some stupid pop crossover or just like some like songwriters came in to like give him a hook he wasn't like a bad babby or something like that he put out what i think is one of the craziest uh hip-hop singles of all time and he was allowed to do this because of who he was but last year i was riding in an uber and the song stan came on Mm. the radio and i never really realized before how totally nuts it was that Eminem was so popular and his he was just so good at what he did that he could put out a six-minute storytelling concept song with Dido on the hook. And it, it not only became one of the biggest songs of its time, it inspired a, a word that's since entered like the English language. Dear Slim, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. I left my cell, my pager, and my home phone at the bottom. I sent two letters back in autumn. You must not have got them. There probably was a problem at the post office or something. Sometimes I scribble the dresses too sloppy when I jot them. But anyways, what's been up, man? How's your daughter? My girlfriend's pregnant, too. I'm about to be a father. If I have a daughter, guess what I'm going to call her? I'm going to name her Bonnie. 
I read about your Uncle Ronnie too, I'm sorry. I had a friend himself over some who didn't want him. I know you probably hear this every day, but I'm your biggest fan. I even got the underground that you did with Scam. I got a room full of your posters and your pictures, man. I like what you did with Rockets too, that was bad. Anyways, I hope you get this, man. Hit me back, just a chat. Truly yours, your biggest fan. This is Stan. Eminem had, like, due to his immense popularity and uh, just the kind of timing of his career, has almost more going on than we could possibly hope to cover in one episode. Um, so what we're going to do is kind of run through some highlights over the next few years post Marshall Mathers LP and then uh, get into his legacy. Uh, but, you know, if this episode is really popular, maybe we'll return to Eminem and, uh, and discuss some of the stuff such as like his rap beefs, which were many and varied. Numerous. With and people some in, of them very strange. Yeah. I mean, people in the genre and outside of it. Mm-hmm. He had beef with Moby. Yeah. He had beef with uh, Everlast, yeah. the uh, Whitey Ford, which... I mean, honestly, the strangest beef to me is the one he had with the insane clown posse. <laughs> the so the, the he he'd kind of made fun of them. He sent some jabs their way uh-huh. after they had kind of snubbed him early in his career, and then they put out a song called "Slim Anus," which honestly is erotic fan fiction about Eminem. It is it's like supposed to be this kind of like homophobic, you're like so weak thing, but it is just describes like various erotic, like homoerotic sex acts that Eminem engages in in vivid detail. And it's like so strange. And then as a response on the Marshall Mathers LP, there's the Ken, um, Ken, Kenneth oh, that's sketch right. where ICP is giving him a blowjob. It's so weird. It's like, how is this what like masculinity was like twenty years ago? It's like you're so gay, we have sex. <laughs> you know, like this is what it's like in graphic detail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then you know, it's beyond his beefs. He had all kinds of like public fallouts and like that. You know, that kind of stuff is interesting. But I think we want to talk about like some of the highlights of his career before it kind of fell off a cliff uh-huh. in the mid part of the aughts. Um, a lot of the you know, I think in. 2001 he puts out devil's night with uh, his crew d12 mm-hmm. so this is a uh, it's bizarre proof uh conniva con artists and swifty swift mcveigh and the whole concept is that they are they have alter egos like, mm-hmm. there's like that them is like the the rappers is eminem the rapper there's also slim shady which is a different character mm-hmm. and uh i think i forgot to mention bizarre did i mention bizarre um, you mentioned Bizarre as many times as you need to. Yeah, I mean, I remember like Such when this, a strange rapper or personality, very scatologic, know, scatologically focused. Bizarre. Wow, I never even really when I was younger, I never really clued in. I, I don't, I don't think that it was like my, what my takeaway was. Yeah, I think I was just like, I mean, I, I when D, when Devil's Night came out, I was like, I just moved to Houston, and this album was like the perfect album for like an alienated fourteen year old, mm. and I think just because like. It was so they were just outlandish. Yeah. They were ridiculous. The stuff that they rapped about is like fucked up. They're yeah. like, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, like bestiality and that's yeah. Bizarre was like that. bizarre was rapping about all kinds of like off the wall shit. Yeah, and I remember at the time people, whenever there would be like a list of like worst rappers out, <laughs> they would, would always mention Bizarre, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, but I think he's really good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that was my fourteen year old brain. Probably somewhere in the middle. Eh, maybe closer to bad. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty bad. And in, in listening to a lot of his stuff again, I'm like, oh, he's just like, he's like sometimes like not even on beat. Like yeah. he's just like, it's uh, he's just their friend is along for the ride. Mm-hmm. But like he he leaned into that with his gimmick. But I mean, uh, D- Devil's Night has a lot of a lot of great songs on it. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the last cohesive Eminem project. I think. Uh-huh. The, you know, the Eminem show has its moments. Till I collapse, which is like a just an outstanding song mm, and of course eight, the eight mile soundtrack as that's well. right that's right those are sort of the and these are sort of the highs there's also a, f- a famous moment sort of inside baseball uh moment in hip-hop history where on uh jay-z's classic album the blueprint eminem produced and is featured on a song called renegade mm-hmm. and he has a great verse on it and jay-z has a great verse on it but when jay-z started beefing with nas uh around this time nas had this line where he's like and Eminem murdered you on your own shit. And it basically created this narrative that Eminem washed Jay-Z on a song. Mm-hmm. But I think if you go back and listen to it, they're both pretty good. Yeah. And it's maybe it maybe is a wash in terms of who who outdid who. 
But um, or, or it's another Eminem term that sort of entered the lexicon. Yes, that's right. Um, let's listen to Eminem's verse on Renegade. See, I'm a poet to some, a regular modern-day Shakespeare. Jesus Christ, the king of these Latter-day Saints here. To shatter the picture in which of that is they paint me as a monger of hate. Satan, a scatterbrained atheist. But that ain't the case. See, it's a matter of taste. We as the people decide if shade is as bad as they say he is. Or is he the latter, a gateway to escape, media scapegoat? They can be mad at today. See, it's as easy as cake. Simple as whistling Dixie while I'm waving the pistol at 60 Christians against me. Go to war with the Mormons. Take a bath with the Catholics in holy water. No wonder they try to hold me on the longer. I'm a motherfucking spiteful, delightful, eyeful. The new ice cube. Motherfuckers hate to like you. What did I do? I'm just a kid from the gutter making his butter off these bloodsuckers. Cause I'm a motherfucking. Eminem is given production credits on, on those first couple Dr. Dre sort of executive produced records as well as the beats that Dre did and these guys called the Bass Brothers who really handled a lot of the production. Mm. But Eminem always had a kind of an interest in production. Uh, post sort of the Eminem show era, he gets really into production and including that Jay-Z song, Renegade being one of the sort of the first, uh, and one of his actually best beats I think he makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like kind of through the G-Unit era, he, he becomes a little bit almost, seems almost more interested in production. Speaking of G-Unit, one of Eminem's uh, sort of most significant legacies mm-hmm. is the signing of a Queens rapper named 50 Cent. Yes. Uh, and Eminem was like really integral in bringing 50 Cent to the masses because at that point, you know, he basically was one of the kings of, of music, you know, mm-hmm. like on and on the hip hop charts and also off of them. I mean, even at this time, like just like Eminem's success was so outsized. And I think his, the, one of the, 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 the benefits that he received from being a white rapper is that he was just in places that other rappers weren't. Mm -hmm. He was getting played on rock and roll stations. It's true. You know, and there's nothing rock and roll about Eminem Mm -hmm. except maybe the color of his skin in the traditional (laughs) set, at least in what was like in the forefront of rock culture at that time. And I guess even now, you know? Yeah. I mean... So to sing for the moment song, that was like when he really like crossed over to rock, uh especially, which is sort of a rock song. But... um, you know, one of the things I think I find very interesting is that 50 Cent, Ultimate Bridge Burner, probably talks shit about almost everybody that he's ever met. Mm-hmm. Eminem, uh, he's never, ever talked shit about and, and holds him very dear to this day. He has undying love for Eminem. They have undying love for each other, and I think it's very cute. <laughs> A few years ago on 50's birthday, Eminem made this video where he basically talks about how he's like, oh, I'll tell you about the... The, the verse that made me want to quit rapping because it was so good. And he recites uh, a 50 cent verse to the camera for like a full minute. Mm-hmm. Picture a perfect picture. Picture me in a pimpette. Picture me starting shit. Picture me busting my gat. Picture police mad. They ain't got a picture of that. Picture me being broke. Picture me smoking a stack. Picture me coming up. Picture me rich from rap. Picture me blowing up. Now picture me going back to my mama basement to live shit. Picture that. Where from is a fact. You gotta watch your back. You wear a vest without a gat. Use a target jack. Hustle hard. Money stack. Sell it dope. Sell it crack. Sell it pack. Sell it gat. Sell it pussy. Holler back. 50 cent. Too much henny. Man a bit. I'm out of here. And it, and he and then he at the end of it, he's just happy birthday to fifty, and it's just like it's just a really. I'm like, oh, this is this how forty something year old emotionally closed off men show affection? Yeah. <laughs> like it was just like so endearing to to just see him nerd out and just like, and then also the way that Fifty Cent received it, he made a, like a really like a, a post on his Instagram that was like really just loving, and I don't know, it's like. The fact that this is the one bur- bridge that Fifty hasn't burned—I I mean, there's a few others, but like the most noteworthy one is like pretty—is pretty telling. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was—it was sort of almost felt like at this point, after sort of G Unit success, it was like sort of like a bit of his legacy uh, that Eminem was getting a little bit bored, maybe. Mm. And behind the scenes, the things were a little bit darker, unfortunately. He was dealing with a pretty serious drug problem. Opioid addiction. His best friend, Proof, uh, lead member of D12, and, and one of his oldest friends was uh, killed in Detroit at an after hours. Royce to 5'9", who was sort of his one of his other collaborators, struggling with addiction himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he started kind of putting on this this voice. His voice sort of started changing. Uh-huh. And... And then he disappeared for a while. Mm-hmm. 
for many years. Many years. And then he came back. In 2009 with Relapse. Yeah. And then also the following year with Recovery. Yeah. And both albums were kind of, both albums were huge, huge successes. Huge successes. And every album he's put out since is a huge success. Huge success. And, but they, in terms of quality, there's like a lot. Well, they left a lot to be desired. He hasn't put out, in my opinion, I don't even know if he's put out a good song since he came back. He's had like a, a definitely like half of a good song, mm-hmm. which then devolves into something else. Like yeah. I mean, there's 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 moments of the song "Rap God" that he put out a, a little while ago that that he has some moments that are like pretty good in it, and then it just kind of falls off a cliff. Yeah. Um, but I think that you know, I, I think it it really can't be overstated the impact that addiction had on his career and him as a person and a rapper um you know he we didn't talk about this but he put out this this album with royce the five nine many years ago called bad meets bad meets evil and um it was like a it was a huge album for both of them in terms of just like displaying a showcase for their skills and then a few years ago complex did i believe like a 20 year anniversary of the of the like a, a, an article kind of going back to that. And it was written by Noah Callahan Beaver, who at the time was the editor-in-chief of Complex, but also previously had written for like XXL, Source, and other hip-hop mag- magazines of that era. And he was at the original studio sessions with Eminem and Royce the Five Nine. So in this interview, he was going back and asking them questions about that process and about how they think about the album now. And then a lot of the questions where he asked Eminem about that time period, Eminem was like, you know, I just don't really remember. Mm-hmm. He said that to a lot of things. Like, I don't really remember like what was going on. And it, I think it just like speaks to like the level of consumption. And I think also if you, if you hear like the, if you listen to like a lot of the albums from that time, um, basically from the beginning of his career and you see like old interview clips of them sometimes, like he really was like consuming a lot of drugs mm-hmm. and probably drinking a lot. And I think that, you know, he was able to, still put out an excellent product for a while while living that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of hit the tipping point where it was kind of hard for him to, to, to be able to keep up that kind of level of consumption and the quality of music. And I think that that's why, you know, he took that huge time off. He's probably also super burnt out. Mm-hmm. He was working like crazy during this time period. He was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that since, since like taking that break and, and coming back, it's like, he he even said like you know part of the thing about that voice mm. is that he was like he had to relearn how to rap mm-hmm. you know it was hard for him to find to find like the person that he was before and I don't think he's ever really found that the rapper that existed up until that breaking point. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of interesting to think that at one point Eminem really was considered by a lot of people even within the rap world not just like his legions and legions of white fans the best rapper that ever lived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, other than maybe Tupac, who's, whose legacy has changed in scale, I think, as well, in, in a similar but different manner. Uh, like, Eminem is now pretty derided, actually, in a lot of online conversation. And part of that is that the style of rapping, he ha- the work he's been putting out hasn't been good. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people that seem sort of indebted to him, like a Joyner Lucas, uh-huh. aren't good either. It's true. And Asher Roth is a, is is in some sense like a clean cut version That's right. of Eminem. That's a good point. And even like sort of his better uh, sort of, you know, sort of... Uh, children, you might say, like Odd Future, mm-hmm. they disavow their sort of Eminem stage now. It's true. It's true. But I mean, on the other hand, you look at someone like Kendrick, mm-hmm. you can listen to Kendrick Lamar and hear how influenced by Eminem he is. That's true. You know? That's true. Um, I think that there are some people that are able to take... I mean, Eminem's just influence is just so vast that there's probably pieces of him in a, in a lot of rappers that they don't even realize that maybe they got it from Eminem. Mm-hmm. You know, like even you mentioned like the odd future thing, it's like they've disavowed a lot of that. I mean, it's just like, but it was like the, the, their, his influence on them was so apparent, mm-hmm. you know, even the horror core, like horror core style, yeah. the way that they did it. And like the kind of thumb in the eye of authority in this kind of like, I'm just going to say the most outlandish shit, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's still sort of, it still appeals to pop sensibilities in some ways. And and whether it's like, because of how they're dressed, Um, we didn't even talk about Eminem's fashion, which I think is also another underrated thing for, for years, Eminem wore a do rag. 
It's true. Why? <laughs> um, for people that don't know, do you wear do rag is a is a black hair care product basically, and for for men, if you uh, brush your hair, you put pomade in, you put some coconut oil, and you wear the do rag at night or during the day, it puts these little rivulets in your hair called waves. And it only works on black hair. <laughs> like, Eminem wore a do-rag for at least 10 years. Um, I'm confused. I'm also impressed that no one seemed to ever have an issue with this. I guess it's, it's like a fashion thing, you know, it was, but it's like, still curious to me, I'm an innovator in hair care as well. Right. Uh <laughs> You know, the, one of the things that's sort of interesting is that in recent years, he seemed to have wrestled with his, like his legacy of whiteness and what it sort of allowed for his career. And he's been pretty explicit about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I will say that he, one thing that I found listening to his catalog is, is that he always did that. Yes, From the very true. beginning of his career, he talked about the, the outside success that he was experiencing because he's white. Mm-hmm. You know, he is, the entire song White America mm-hmm. is like, is basically a reaction to how white America was receiving him and also to the outside success that he was getting, which is like, you know, I think this is like different from a lot of like the contemporary white rappers who either don't talk about the fact that they have this crazy, their, their careers are so much more advanced than their quality level because they're white. Um, at least at the beginning, they like Eminem talks about it at the beginning, you see rappers, white rappers that do it later because they, they kind of like, now that they've had their millions and they're kind of like looking at their career and they're thinking about things, they just feel a little guilty. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, Macklemore did that with his, with his uh, song too. white privilege yeah. uh, two part two. That was the second, <laughs> you know, Mac Miller went through his own reckoning with yeah. it. And I think it kind of, it partially led him to like to addiction. Mm-hmm. And, and um, but you know, if you look at like the contemporary white rappers, like the G mm-hmm. the post Malones, they would, they never they mentioned just that. skirt around it. They skirt around it. I mean, and it says something that the one line that Eminem wouldn't cross in his early career about offending people was that he would never say the N word. Mm-hmm. And then when Benzino dug up that footage of him as like a 14 year old saying the so, N word, it was sort of, it was like, he had like a bit of a, a meltdown and was like, it was right. like a huge deal for him. It was so just for people who don't know, Benzino was one of the co-owners of the source, which was the hip hop Bible of the nineties. And he, for reasons I'm not really sure, I think are probably more uh, associated with just extreme jealousy mm-hmm. of Eminem started a beef with Eminem. And, you know, they had a few diss songs back and forth, which were uh, some of which were pretty good, actually. Nail in the coffin. Nail in the coffin. Eminem went back at him, and yeah, Benzino did find this this audio recording of a song that Eminem had put out where he, in which he says the N word, and M's reaction was kind of like, "It was made when I was fourteen. I was going through a breakup with this black girl." I mm-hmm. like he's like, he just he apologized for yeah, it. Yeah, very and, sincerely. Very sincerely, and I mean. It, but it, it really was like a moment. People kind of just kind of forgot about it, basically. Well, because he handled it very straight on. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And it was a different time, also. No it one was got a canceled time. for shit. It was a Terry Richardson era. That's right. <laughs> That's so true. But um, I mean, but ultimately, like you know, M's legacy, as we've like kind of just alluded to and said explicitly a few times here, but it's like it's extremely complicated. I think, like ultimately, ultimately th- that early the initial like five year run. Of like Marshall Ma- of the Slim Shady LP to Devil's Night, basically. To, that's a, yeah, that's like a three year. But even like I even I feel like some of the stuff on the Eminem show is pretty good. And like the you know his sort of contributions to like Fifty Cent. Yeah, like the Fifty Cent, the Fifty Cent creation. Just the just like I mean his, just even his extreme success as a rapper. Mm-hmm. Yes, a white rapper, but still a rapper. You know, like the last you know, 15 years of Eminem's career, I think we can all pretty much agree is pretty terrible. Mm -hmm. But that first like five years, um, even, I mean, yeah, like, you know, I'll even give him up until Encore because like, even though the styles, the style was different, it's maybe a little bit more corny in some places. Um, I, you know, songs like, you know, Mockingbird, that was good. Toy Soldiers. (laughs) Toy Soldiers. Good. You know, like, uh, it wasn't the same, yeah. but he, he definitely, he still had something, like a spark. And there's an interesting thing uh, about him that, you know, he he dissed George Bush 
and a big and a part of that was that he knew so much of his fan base was Republican, and then more recently has sort of spoken out about Trump. It makes uh-huh. me kind of think about how, like, you know, there's something about how, like, when a Subway sandwiches replaces a McDonald's in Middle America, it like collectively lowers the obesity rate just because there's actual vegetables in it. That's how I sort of feel about like Eminem's like Trump freestyle. It's like it's kind of terrible. But on the other hand, it actually is doing objective good. Interesting. Yeah. No, I I definitely agree with that. And I think that's, I guess that's another thing about Eminem to some degree is that he, he always paid respect. He always seemed to be aware of the, of his privilege Mm -hmm. and did what he could to reflect that in both his music and in the way that he like handled his career and the way that he, you know, the stuff that he did with like D12 and like, you know, the, all the artists he signed. I mean, it took it took until 2012 or so when no one cared anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, or when he certainly didn't care that he signed a white rapper and it was Yellow Wolf. You oh, know? yeah, that's true. Who's a... Um, but he, like, you know, he, Eminem always seemed like he was for the culture. And by the culture, I mean hip-hop. Like, his reverence for, for the genre was so apparent. His fandom... Um, yeah, and even just like in terms of like obviously the Jay Z collaboration, but even like he was doing songs with like D Block, which is like the Locks, mm-hmm. you know. It's like he was like do like doing features for them, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he was clearly a big rap fan himself. A rap obsessive. I mean, truly someone who cared so much about it. And I think that's that's kind of the thing. I mean, ultimately, he comes from a place where uh, there's almost a spirituality about ra- your identity in rap and sort of the sacredness of the art. And not sort of besmirching it mm-hmm. in a certain kind of way, and and I think that really colors his sort of worldview about his place in it, and understanding the sort of access that he got, and he, and and how that he really felt like he fought for it to gain it. But even as much as he fought for it, he understood that it wasn't just purely merit- meritocratic his success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's it. That's another episode of Catch Up. Uh, thank you for taking this journey through Eminem with us. Uh, we just wanted to mention once again that if you are a listener and you want to keep the podcast going, you want to keep the podcast growing, a good way for you to do that is to visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash catchuppodcast, and make a contribution because it, it would make a huge difference in helping us continue to give you these exhaustively researched episodes and the to pair producer Kyle who makes it happen and to just like make sure that we're able to kind of continue to do these deep dives into music. And if you can, can't afford to do that, or if you can afford to do it and also want to show support in another way, even just telling one person to who you think might be interested in a podcast like this goes a really long way. It makes a difference. You can make a difference. So, so do it. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great week.